love thy neighborhood. Okay, oh, cool. Oh, definitely. <laughs> awesome. Discipleship and missions. Mission. For, For modern, modern times. I find as I'm real and authentic with God, he can take it. And he also is real with me. God can handle us. We don't have to be appropriate with our emotions with God. This is a show about self-discovery. About understanding ourselves. About looking into the mirror to see the good, the bad, and the unknown of who we are. This is about how we relate to God. And everyone else. From Love That Neighborhood in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome. 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 To the Inia cast. Welcome to the Enneacast. I'm Jesse Eubanks. And I'm Lindsay Lewis. Every episode, we walk you through the Enneagram. And today, we are continuing our series on how our personality impacts our relationship with God and our approach to faith. Yes. So in the introduction episode, we talked about Richard Rohr's quote, the way you relate is the way you relate. And that's just a way of saying that the relational style that you have you apply to all parts of your life. So if you lean one way in relationships at work or at home, that is likely how you are also coming to your relationship with God. So today we're going to explore how this shows up for the type four, the originalist. Yeah, so today's content, it's gonna build on our 101 content from season one of the show. So if you're new to the Enneacast, this, you know, you can dive in, but if you are not super familiar with the Enneagram, you might feel pretty confused and lost. So we just want to encourage you, just get a basic understanding of the Enneagram because uh, we're just going to dive straight in. Okay, so today we're going to take a look at three things. First, how their personality influences their relationship with God. Second, how their lens influences their view of God. And third, how God heals people with this Enneagram type. All right. Let's get started. All right. So first, let's explore how their personality influences their relationship with God. So, Lindsay, give me an idea of what this looks like when it's healthy. Okay. When I'm thinking of something spiritual and a four, the thing that first comes to my mind are the Psalms. Yeah. So our friend David. Yep. And I'm thinking about how... In the Psalms that he writes, he covers the full spectrum of emotion. Like it is the highest highs and the lowest lows, the depths of despair, but also victory, thanksgiving, storytelling, like retelling the history of all God's faithfulness. And my favorite Enneagram Psalm, which is Psalm 139, you know, about how uniquely we're each made, but how God knows us each in a unique way. Mm -hmm. And that to me is the picture of the healthy four space mm -hmm. where they're able to go to the depths, but also reach for the heights and they have the gratitude and they can embrace their individuality, but without leaning too heavily on the melancholy and the longing. Yeah. Yeah. I think about, you know, when a four is approaching faith, 
drawn to the beauty of God mm-hmm. really resonate with like beautiful artistic expressions. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, the architecture of the building, the music, the hymns, uh, the paintings, the liturgy, the film, the photography, mm-hmm. like all mm-hmm. of those like uh, manifestations of faith. Yes. Uh, and uh, and also do I think about just how emotionally interactive fours are mm-hmm. with God in mm-hmm. their faith. A lot of us can kind of come with like a stoicism or like a it's all cognitive. It's all systematic theology. Yeah. You know, and the four has a very emotional back and forth, which mm-hmm. is there's a realness to it. Um, that's that's so important, you know, celebration and lament. OK, so that's the good news. Mm-hmm. So we also need to look at the way that their personality negatively influences their faith. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. So Lisa Vischer said psychology informs theology. So that's just the way that we're saying our personality leads us to create a particular emphasis in our own theology. So the way we view God is shaped through our own lens, and that can result in what we are calling a slanted rule of life. Mm -hmm. So the way you order your days, the way you're thinking about God is a little skewed. Mm -hmm. So you're taking a good thing, your superpower, you know, your lens, your gift, but you're making it the ultimate thing at the expense of other good things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so for the four, they can have a tendency to relate to God primarily through authenticity. Yeah. Authenticity is wonderful. It is it is a necessary good thing. Mm-hmm. But what happens when we overemphasize authenticity? So what does this overemphasis on authenticity look like? You know, this is where you get the the four that's like whatever they're feeling in that mm-hmm. moment defines mm-hmm. the totality of reality. So if they're feeling close to God, mm. God is alive. God is vibrant. God mm-hmm. is real. God can do anything. God is hope. If they're feeling despondent, God is nowhere. God has yeah. forsaken them. God is far away. And their emotions decide the way in which uh, they perceive truth. Yeah. Um, so I think about like, uh, you know, this overemphasis on self-expression, like I need to say everything that I feel. I need to express everything that I feel. This overemphasis on like emotional realness um, and even like beauty coming out in the form of like just being kind of judgy, you yeah. know. And so it's like, Lord, sometimes I look at you and I think you're so amazing and so beautiful. And other times I just look and I just go like, I'm just not impressed. Yeah. Yeah. I think. A lot of us, even people who are not type four dominant, we let our emotions or if you're in the head maybe you would call it your thoughts, dictate the truth about God. Because I'm feeling this way. This feels so true to me because it's my authentic experience Mm -hmm. that it must be true. Mm -hmm. And we have to over and over again submit ourselves to what is true about God, which is what we know from the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like we don't get to create God in our own image, but mm-hmm. that's so hard mm-hmm. not to do. And so I think that's, you know, where the fours can really end up. And um, another thing I see with fours is when they're in that melancholy space, they feel so other, like so unworthy, so broken. Yeah. And that can become more true than the fact that they are loved or cherished or saved or redeemed or have gifts to offer. And yeah, that tendency to reject positive information. Yeah. And so these good gifts are being, mm-hmm. you know, lavished on them. Yeah. And, and, you know, and 
yeah, as a for myself, like yeah. I have that tendency, that tendency to go, okay, all these words of affirmation, these truths of the scriptures, and I'm just going, yeah, you know, but, 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 you know, and and fixating on those negative things. I think, too, the other thing that comes to mind, Lindsay, is like the four tendency to long yeah. for the future. Mm-hmm. Either we're like grieving something from the past or we're longing for the future. Mm-hmm. Somebody told me last, just last week, I was talking to somebody and they were like, you know, the only place that God connects with us is in the moment. Wow. And And I was like, oh, crap. Because so often mm-hmm. I find myself either stuck in a memory or longing for a future. And in both those scenarios, it really inhibits my ability to connect with God now. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the already not yet phrase Mm -hmm. is so like it feeds my little four that's in Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. You know, that is how you deal with the present moment Mm -hmm. is because you're not going to forget the longing. You're not going to not look back. But if you can live in that already not yet tension, Mm -hmm. then you're going to find yourself in a good spot. So all of these things are going to influence then our view of God, like Mm -hmm. our lens. Like if you feel unworthy, that doesn't just say something about you. That says something about who you believe God is Mm -hmm. and how you think God sees you or how God made you. And so one of the main reasons that we relate to God incorrectly is because we see him incorrectly. Mm -hmm. We've projected a false image. So let's look at the lens of this personality type and how they distort the way they see God. Yeah, you know, going back to that whole notion of uh, our, for us as for sometimes we allow our emotions to define the truth. Here are the common things that I see. We see God as someone who either, A, overlooks us, mm-hmm. B, isn't attuned to us, mm-hmm. or C, he just doesn't like us. Mm. And so if it's a notion of like he's overlooking us, it's like, this idea of like, God, I'm right here. Why are you mm-hmm. not paying attention to me? Or this sense in which so many fours I know, like we just really, and I think this is just humanity. Like we just want to be attuned to this sense yeah. of like, we're, we're understood, we're gotten, we're perceived. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but there's also this other part of us that just feels like rejects. You know, we carry that Island of Misfit toys thing around yeah. and we take it straight into our faith with God. And we think, well, the Lord sees us the same way. Mm-hmm. He looks at us. And he just sees somebody that's very broken. And mm-hmm. at best, he sort of tolerates us. Mm-hmm. So if God doesn't like you, then that's going to cause you to make even further assumptions mm-hmm. that maybe he's withholding good things from you that you see him giving to your neighbor. So that longing of looking at what other people have and saying, well, where's my blessing? That he's giving blessings or just attention and love to other people and not to them. Yeah, it, like, oh, they've got good community. Mm-hmm. Oh, they've got that romantic partner that mm-hmm. they feel so connected to. It's this idea that God has lavished his goodness on all these other people. Yeah. For some reason, he doesn't want to give it to me. Yeah. And I think, too, about we talk a lot about the forest have that push-pull. Yeah. That they're infamous for in their own relationships, having that, like, I love you so much, come closer. And then, like, what if you leave me? Push mm-hmm. you away. And mm-hmm. then, like, oh, you're so far away, come closer. Mm-hmm. And I think that force can also project that onto God. Mm-hmm. Of You said that a little bit a second ago of, oh, God is so near right now. And then why is he so far away? And then, oh, now because I feel emotional, I love this song. Now he's near again. Mm-hmm. But this service, I didn't really like any of those songs. So God is far. Mm-hmm. You know, Our God is very temperamental. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it is that sense, though. I mean, you talked about David in the Psalms. I mean, mm-hmm. you just described David in the Psalms. Yeah. like. 
Lord, you're so close. Lord, you're so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lord, smite everybody else. Lord, forgive me. It's, yes. it's that push-pull thing mm-hmm. projected onto God. Right. Yeah. Okay, so that that's like our jacked up view of God. Yeah. Talk to me about what is the true image of God? What is something that would really help a four to remember about who God is? I think just based off what the last thing we were talking about, we need to remember that God is a God that does not change, that he is consistent, that we are the ones who are inconsistent. He is the one who is faithful to the end. He holds up both sides of the covenant, no matter how many times we break the covenant. And so for the four to be able to know in a deep place, my God is faithful and consistent and that he is going to love me no matter what, no matter if I feel left out, no matter if I feel broken and that he accepts you because of your brokenness. Like in the midst of while you were a sinner, Christ died for you, Mm -hmm. not after you got it together, that we were all broken and that's why Christ came and that he redeems all of us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He just knows us better than we know ourselves. Yes. You know, fours are just like, I just wish somebody understood me. And it's like, I just think God probably looks at us and goes, you don't even understand yourself. Yeah. Not in the way that I understand you. Yeah. Not in the way that I know you. He's a good father that loves mm-hmm. giving good gifts to his children. Mm-hmm. And not good gifts like when we've been well behaved. Like good gifts because he just, that's who he is. Yeah. And he, he loves to give to us. Okay, so for type fours, we have now looked at how personality influences their relationship with God and how their lens influences their view of God. So now we're left with the question of how God heals people with Mm. this Enneagram type. Well, Jesse, I'll just quote you to you. (laughs) And I think you probably got this from Tim Keller. Yep. Who is like the patron saint of Love Thy Neighborhood. Yep. You say... God doesn't heal us with good advice. He heals us with the good news. So we're not following good advice, but we're surrendering ourselves to the good news. Yeah. So unpack that for us. Yeah. I mean, we have these problems of shame and fear and guilt. Mm -hmm. And for the four, the four feels most readily. The first sort of emotional Mm -hmm. response is going to be shame. Yeah. That sense of, I feel deeply deformed, embarrassed, broken, outcast, alien, Mm -hmm. all these deep emotional words to express this relational reality. And the good news of the gospel is that the Lord looks at us and he gives us delight. Mm -hmm. He finds such pleasure in our existence. Mm -hmm. Like he looks at every four and he loves them with specificity, not in this one size fits all generic way. Mm -hmm. It is a deeply customized affection and delight Mm -hmm. for each person. And that delight covers our shame and heals it. He heals our fear with his presence and he heals our guilt with his forgiveness. Mm, I like that. So what exactly does that look like for the four specifically? Is that he speaks to their wounds and he says the good news, which is, I know you and I delight in who you are. And that's not just exactly what you're saying. It's not just a surface level. I know you, you know, I delight in you like that. It can be cheap language. But when we really let it sink in of like, he really knows you, 
Like yeah. all those deep longings, all the little pains and all the big pains, all the joys, the way that, you know, fours and people who have a lot of four in them, when you're outside, the way things just delight you, mm-hmm. like that's a piece of God, mm-hmm. you know, and how much more so does he look at you and see all the intricate parts of what makes you you and just thinks, oh, that is the best. Like mm-hmm. it's so amazing how you're made and how mm-hmm. you're walking on this earth and that he has a purpose for that. Yes. So good news leads to transformation. So after receiving this good news, we are invited to respond. So as a disciple, fours can move from envy to emotional equanimity. You are invited to respond to life with exactly as much feeling and energy as is appropriate and necessary without exaggeration. Mm-hmm. Our tendency as fours is to say, well, no one's going to understand it unless I really convey mm-hmm. the emotional experience I'm having right now. And I've got to go full throttle, full fire hose. And emotional equanimity says, no, 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 that's blinding you. Yeah. When you behave in those gigantic ways, it's actually shielding you from being able to see the truth. And I think that often one of the the very concrete ways that equanimity shows up in the life of the four is when they begin to practice gratitude mm. uh, and the ability mm-hmm. just to be specific in the scenarios and the people and the details of life that they are just deeply grateful for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gratitude is kind of like the anchor in the waves. Like we talk yeah. about our emotions are those waves yeah. and the anchor just kind of keeps you steady yeah. on the up and the down. Yep. So final couple of tips for investing in your relationship with God. Our friend AJ Sherrill has a book called The Enneagram for Spiritual Formation. And he talks about downstream and upstream spiritual disciplines for every type. So the downstream discipline is going to be the discipline that comes perhaps easier. The most natural discipline for them. Yeah. So he has for the fours, silence and solitude. They're the withdrawing type. They can really get alone and dive deep into themselves and deep into thinking and feeling and contemplating. And that can come really easily for a lot of fours. Yep. So that's a good one. They need to do it. It's a gift. It's going to help them. Absolutely. So we're not saying don't do it. Do it. But if they want to build muscle Mm -hmm. and they want to stretch themselves, they want to grow and change as a person, the upstream discipline is feasting. Mm -hmm. It is the ability to get together with community, with other people, Mm -hmm. and to just celebrate and enjoy and be grateful for the whole experience. Mm. Check the cynicism at the door. You know, Mm -hmm, check mm -hmm. the discontent longing. No, we're here now as a people together to celebrate the goodness of what God's Mm -hmm. doing in and among us. And it also allows the four to move out of a a dynamic with God in which it's just one to one. Mm. And they begin to see, no, the Lord is at work among all of us. I'm a part of this group of people Mm. and God is at work among this group of people. And so it also pulls the four out of their solitude and into community. That's great. Okay, so we've talked a ton about our thoughts on type four. Mm -hmm. I think that it's now time for us to explore this with somebody. So our guest today is Lori Krieg. Lori is the president of Impossible Ministries, whose mission is to equip Jesus followers with a gospel-centered approach to marriage and sexuality. Lori and her husband, Matt, are the authors of An Impossible Marriage, What Our Mixed Orientation Marriage Has Taught Us About Love and the Gospel a book exploring Lori and Matt's mutual attraction to women and how God has used their marriage to point them both to the love and grace of Jesus. 
She also serves on the board of directors for the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. Lori and her husband also co-host the Hole in My Heart podcast and live in Western Michigan with their three kids. Welcome to the show, Lori. Hey, guys. So glad to be here. We are really excited to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah. Well, I am excited to talk with you guys. Although after listening to your teaching, do you have this with everyone where everyone is like, (laughs) oh my gosh, you see me too much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we hope that you feel seen. That's our goal. That's our goal. Yes, that's a good sign. So, Lori, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to know the Enneagram and maybe what were some of the initial takeaways for you? <laughs> so, I actually started studying this in college in 2007. Nice. So, in typical Enneagram 4 fashion, I was into the Enneagram before it was cool. So, That's I just, right. I just That's need right. to say that. Uh, <laughs> yep. No. Yep. But it was a class I took, and our university was all about it. Initially, I did not like the Enneagram at all, and I am one of 12 kids. And so I am the ninth oldest. And so I have been a number my entire life. (laughs) So so I'm like, oh, my word. The saddest part of it, which is why I laughed when you first asked that, is I wrote an article for our paper uh, column. And the title was, Why I Personally Hate Personality Tests. And and I like ripped on the Enneagram. Legend has it, I made the prof who was teaching it cry. (gasps) When I matured a bit and probably my prefrontal cortex fully developed at age 25, uh, I did actually end up apologizing to her. I was like, I'm so sorry. I was so crazy. But anyway, that's my initial response. (laughs) You'll you'll have to send this episode over to her as a a further evidence of redemption. (laughs) Started from the bottom, now I'm here. <laughs> hey, so uh, so you just sat and listened to our teaching time. You know, did anything stick out to you? Anything resonate with you? So much. So, so much. I think a biggest one which made me feel so uncomfortable is my sin nature, but also uh, redeemed self. Uh, in the sense when it turns into fruit of invitational processing for others is to sit in the melancholy forever. Mm, I, I almost can fear joy and fear fun because it feels like I am betraying my melancholy self, (laughs) which can Mm -hmm. straight up turn into depression. So I I really thought that that was interesting and and was trying to piece together how the melancholy can be both a poetic, invitational gift for the Enneagram Sevens who seem to be drawn to me, as well as really a Debbie Downer (laughs) to Mm -hmm. myself and others. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that. Like growing up, you know, you turn on Christian radio and it was all joy constantly. <laughs> yeah. And and I'm not like anti-joy except that it just felt so dishonest to the realities of life. And so I love the energy of four which like brings the church this gift of lament mm-hmm. which is so needed. It's such a gift. And at the same time, sometimes several years ago I finally realized you know, whenever there's songs of lament in the service, I feel really comfortable and when there's songs <laughs> that are pure joy, I sort of put out this aura like I'm too cool for this or like (laughs) this isn't really authentic. You know, the authentic stuff was when we were all 
sad, you know? And I did, eventually I realized like, this is my personality. This is not the truth of God, you know? (laughs) Okay, we are just getting started on this conversation. So stay with us because when we come back, we will continue our conversation with Lori Krieg. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Kirsten, the recruitment assistant at Love Thy Neighborhood. We connect young adults directly with local nonprofits, where they provide volunteer hours free of charge to ministries while also gaining real-world work experience. One area of service is our book editing and publishing track. Here, interns learn the book publishing process from start to finish as they work alongside Christian authors. One of these authors is Dr. Timothy Paul Jones. Dr. Jones said sometimes the book publishing process can feel pretty mundane, but that even in the small tasks, interns can learn valuable lessons. Our world, it values that which is quick and flashy, and they realize that things that really matter require just a lot of long, mundane labor. As mundane as that is, it's a really important thing uh, to recognize that it's in the ordinary rhythms of just keeping at it, doing the work that needs to be done, that things that are beautiful are produced in the end. If you want a hands-on experience of missions in our modern times, come serve with Love Thy Neighborhood. We offer internships for young adults ages 18 to 30 through the areas of service, community, and discipleship. You'll grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. Welcome back to the Cast, Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. And we are continuing our conversation with Lori Krieg. And so, I think, Lindsay, you had something you wanted to ask? Yes. Lori, what do you find the most difficult as you relate to God? And what comes easily? I really agreed and resonated with what you guys were saying as far as, you know, a place of health and those downstream spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude. Mm. Right before meeting with you guys, two of my kids, my older girls, uh, this is a day off of school for them. They are playing with neighbors. And then my youngest is napping. And I was like, oh, praise the Lord, I can journal. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I was honestly reflecting on a counseling session, which maybe that is also a character quality of Enneagram 4s is perpetually in therapy. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just throwing things out there. (laughs) But I sure am. So I think that silence and solitude is really an easy, sweet place for me to connect with the Lord. And and Mm -hmm. I can resonate with, you know, the exhortation to go to uh, celebration and feasting. But it's so interesting, even as I'm saying that right now, like I feel anxiety in myself as far as Mm. like what there's something about that that feels unsafe and very unfamiliar, Um, even though I love joking, as you can tell. But when I feel in a threatening situation, I'm not the jokester. I'm I'm ultra authentic and ultra serious, which just drives Mm -hmm. some people bananas. It's interesting that you use the word unfamiliar, you know, that reluctance to celebrate, like how much of it is about it doesn't feel familiar Mm -hmm. and how much of it is about like it doesn't feel authentic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's such a great question. And then on the heels of this doesn't feel authentic, 
pride's right there. Mm-hmm. Like, so therefore mm-hmm. I'm superior to you all mm-hmm. because I can go write a sad poem right now and you have to be happy. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that you say you have to be happy. Like we're, we're being held hostage <laughs> by happiness. Well, I mean, don't you see, like you're allu- alluding to, like there's like the choose joy tattoos and forgive me if you have them on you, but <laughs> choose joy, every, like Hobby Lobby everywhere. And it, it feels like yeah. that's like for the trivial people who want mm-hmm. to do that so yeah. i feel like we just got a new merch idea jesse for our shop choose sadness <laughs> i'm choose here for that. Melancholy. i'm here for that yeah like a rain right. clap yeah 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 has there ever been a moment where you began to think that your personality might be influencing your relationship with god or influencing your theology you know is there anything that's happened that sort of triggered that thought Holy, holy Hannah. Yes, I am currently in school. I'm getting my master's in leadership and evangelism at Wheaton right now. And there's so many theology classes that I'm taking right now. And when I'm reading, you know, the Old Testament and all these commentaries about it, I am finding myself just worshiping God as my mind leads instead of always my heart and emotions. Like it's Mm -hmm. easy for me to go to lament and journaling, but I was so floored this past week, just reading and learning uh, in a lecture about how these people in the Bible who we hold as heroes of the faith. When I read about Abraham and how he sells out his wife twice, when I read about David and his what seems like a power imbalance and therefore rape of Bathsheba, or I read about Jacob, and I'm like, what the heck? These guys are jokers. And mm-hmm. these are supposed to be action figures. But as I was listening to this lecture and reading, he's like, the story of the Bible is not about these guys who do good things and women who do good things and they do bad things. It's about God. Watch mm-hmm. for how he relates to them. And mm-hmm. I just sat in my basement and it was way too late and I was studying and I was just like near tears. Like, Corey, this was healing something in my heart of grief. I have probably poured out in many laments about these jokers of the Bible. <laughs> we fit, it feels <laughs> like we have to worship, right? Like hold them up and platform them when we can look at them. But really, we got to look through the lens of God's eyes. And as I saw him looking at them, I could see him looking at me and all my foibles and failures and double middle fingers at God at times. Like, <laughs> And yet he pursues me. And for some reason, as I was just reading in Romans 8, Jesus is for us. Mm-hmm. He's pleading for us. So I don't even remember the question anymore, but here we are. <laughs> Man, preach. Great. Yes, <laughs> just take it away. Man, that's good. Talk to me a little bit about this. You know, you've written and spoken a lot about your own sexuality as a Christian who is attracted to other women, but who's also deeply committed to both your husband and your faith. How do you think your foreness has influenced your sexuality? Oh, my goodness. I think about that probably way too much. There's times where I'm in groups online, like sub Facebook group, where it's people who hold to a traditional orthodox view of marriage. So they believe God's design for marriage is between a man and a woman. However, they still experience attractions to the same sex or identify as LGBTQIA at some level. So orthodox identify. So they experience that. So I wanted to ask them, I'm like, is everybody a four? 
I just want to know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, and there have been questions posted on there and, and they're not all fours. But I do ask myself that. I'm like, do I just have to be different? What comes first? My having to be different or my sexuality? Which came mm-hmm. first? And I don't know how to answer that question because I've thought about it. But as someone who's attracted to the same sex, I do know this. It's definitely not, I have to be different, therefore, let me choose this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nobody chooses to be gay. Mm -hmm. I was so naive when I started speaking up about God's design for marriage and my journey with sexuality and faith. I did not think I would get as much kickback as I have gotten. I did not think it would be as costly as it has been. That cost, though, isn't just when you go public. The internal wrestling I did before that, I hit suicide near Mm. many times. And the worst was after college when I did not know how to reconcile my faith and sexuality. It was unbearable. Mm -hmm. To your question, I really don't know what comes first, but I will say you don't choose this. But they do influence each other. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, um, I've... I've met a lot of folks, you know, through the years that would be LGBTQ identifying. And I think a lot about, you know, the otherness with Mm -hmm. which many of them have lived. And there is that question, like chicken or egg, like is the otherness as it relates to their sexuality, is that, did that give sort of, you know, more wind in the sails of their foreness, right? you know, or the other way around. But like many, many of the people I've met, you know, um, either are core fours or have very high fours. And a lot of that, it comes from this, I don't know, this sense of otherness Mm -hmm. that can, you know, get down into the identity of a person. Mm -hmm. Well, you think about being in the closet. It it is very similar to some of the phrasing you guys were using. Like you feel perpetually different and in a negative shame-filled way. That's the four. Mm. But as an LGBTQ person, you're in the closet. I mean, the average is like five years before you come out with anyone. So that perpetual difference and othering and in conversation after conversation, and especially as I was growing up in the 80s and 90s and early thousands, where this conversation was not tender. It was straight Mm. and Christian or gay and like doing lines of cocaine. Yeah, right. Mm. So you would be closeted and in conversations with people, Christians who you love and admire and who are pastoring you. And they're saying things like, ew, gross. That's so disgusting. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I'm just kind of maybe tying some things together even for my own self about the similarities of othering that force feel. And then Mm -hmm. as a gay person, for someone who experienced attraction to same sex, that's just part of the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important for us to say that that's not the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Like that as Christians, that should not be the message that we're giving to our brothers and sisters, no matter what makes them same or different. Mm-hmm. If talking about an issue of sin requires us to obliterate the dignity of a person, yeah, then we have approached the topic all wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we talked about in the teaching that fours experience God um, around authenticity. Mm. What's been the good and what's been the harmful of that? Well, have you read my book? Uh, It is (laughs) extreme. If you haven't, it's fine. You don't have to answer that. It is very authentic uh, in the sense that it's very, very real. But you hear not in it just me sharing and my husband, our, um, our marriage struggles and joys. But you hear within those pages how I relate to God. 
I, I really try and be real with him while being respectful and honoring. And I find as I'm real and authentic with God, he can take it. And he mm. also is real with me. Mm-hmm. God can handle us even when we're not doing, you know, you, you had said a phrase like you said you couldn't respond to life with exactly as much feeling and energy as is appropriate. Like that totally makes sense and resonates. But we don't have to be appropriate with our emotions with God. Like David in Psalm, can't remember, he's like, smash the baby's heads on the rocks. And you're like, dude, you crazy. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. doesn't have to be appropriate with God. He can handle us. Mm-hmm. I think a challenge of the authenticity in my relationship with God is I can get so stuck And, you know, I've had traumatic experiences, some trauma history. And so this could be trauma talking. I'm actually pretty sure it is. But I can become hypervigilant in waiting for the next shoe to drop, the next bad thing to happen. I was actually talking with my husband, Matt, recently, and I was so quiet. It was a date night. And usually I'm like chatting and saying all these things. And usually it's sad stuff. (laughs) And I was just (laughs) quiet. And he's like, uh, what's going on? And I said, I don't know how to relate to you because life's going well. (laughs) (laughs) You guys, that is so messed up. And and we've been married almost 14 years. It's not like it's been a minute, but a literal minute. So I was just like, Matt, this is so funny. I actually feel so content right now. And I'm Mm -hmm. just struggling to relate to you. And that can happen with the Lord is I fear I am afraid of not just fear God. I'm afraid of what he is going to allow in my life. And so I tiptoe around him and stare at the negative, which again, negative equals authentic, which is dysfunctional. I still need a journal about that, but Mm -hmm. I can look for the negative as opposed to just rest with him Mm -hmm. and be content. For sure. For me, contentment. This is so strange I'm because I'm totally tracking with you. Contentment makes me so uneasy, yeah. uh, which is the weirdest thing. That sentence makes no sense. Nope. And yet it's completely my experience of like, if I sort of rest in the goodness of things happening in life, the goodness of God, the goodness of my relationships, there's a sense in which because I'm no longer longing, it's like mm. something's wrong. I don't understand mm. what to do with myself. Yeah. So I am tracking with you. <laughs> but it's been so transformational for me. I'm waking up to realizing my sense of equilibrium, my sense of personhood, my sense of joy and contentment and gratitude comes so much from my grounding in who I am in Christ. Mm. Yeah. Yes. You know, I can't help but think of the fact that, you know, fours are in the heart triad. Mm. What is the heart triad searching for? They're searching for identity. identity, It's all about identity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so the the notion that you're in this place now where you are directly confronting that uh, and that you're replacing false identities. You know, I'm an outcast. I'm a weirdo. Mm -hmm. I'm misunderstood. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm a freak. I'm forgotten. I'm, you know, and instead it's being replaced, you know, with all of these truths I mean, that that's deeply, profoundly healing. That's mm-hmm. the gospel at work in your life. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to take a little we're breath here. We <laughs> have been swimming in the deep end, as we fours tend yes. to do. 
I think it's time that we come up to the shallow end. So uh, (laughs) stay with us because when we come back, we will be playing What's Your Number with Lori Krieg. Stay with us. Here at LTN, we believe that in order to be loved, you must be known. And part of being known means understanding who you are, which is why we created Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Mapping Your Enneagram Story is a workbook to help you map your life story and understand who you are. Using the lens of the Enneagram, you'll explore how the story you've lived has made you into who you are and why Jesus is the key to living a better story. To get your own copy of Mapping Your Enneagram Story, just go to lovethatneighborhood.org and click the store link at the top of the menu. There, you'll find Mapping Your Enneagram Story plus all our other Enneagram content. And all proceeds go directly to support Love Thy Neighborhood. So go to lovethyneighborhood.org and click store. Mapping Your Enneagram Story. Find the clarity you need to have meaningful, long-lasting relationships. Welcome back to the IndieCast, Jesse Eubanks. Lindsay Lewis. And now it's time for What's Your Number? Our game today is called What's Your Number? Okay, here's how you play. So, Lori, I'm going to read you a card, and then you're going to rank what is on that card from 1 to 10. 1 meaning that you absolutely despise it. 10 meaning that you love it. Uh, You're going to keep that number to yourself. Once you have your number, Lindsay and I are each going to try to guess what number we think that you have ranked this thing. (laughs) We're going to take turns saying our guesses out loud. Uh, We cannot pick the same number. And after we have each taken a guess, you will then reveal what number you chose. And whoever guessed the closest gets a point. Best out of five wins. You both ready to play? Yep. Yeah. All right. So here we go. Round one, conferences. Conferences. Hmm. I'm kind of wondering too about like so we what kinds of conferences. Oh, this is where you're gonna do your table talk thing where you try to influence her decision with <laughs> how you verbally process it. Great. Let's hear it. You're just <laughs> mad because you didn't think of it, no. Lindsay Lewis. No. Yeah. Uh okay, well fine. I will not influence. <laughs> I will not use my Jedi mind tricks. Okay. What Age do you think? before beauty. hmm I think mm. It, it's all about the type of conference. Yeah, it is. But it, let me say this. Even if it's a topic that she really loves, mm-hmm. I still just don't see her being like conferences are the greatest thing mm-hmm. in the history of the world. So I'm going to go with, if we're talking about a conference that she would enjoy, mm-hmm. I'm going to go six. Okay. Hmm. Well, I'm going to guess that she teaches at a fair number of conferences. Mm-hmm. And that maybe she likes that because she's got the three wings. I'm going to go seven. Mm, that was a good guess. Yeah, I appreciate it. That was good logic. Okay, Lori, what's your number? Well, I said, if I'm speaking, seven. And <sighs> if I'm just going to it, three. Oh, <laughs> okay. yeah. Second I, like to, I like to yeah. teach Adam. Otherwise, like, uh, what are we doing here? That is, that is exactly the way that I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's so bad. We've I'll got go to too these... much three going on. Yeah, on this call. seriously. <laughs> seriously. Well, like, if people are clapping for us, yes. Yeah, I know. If we're right. clapping for them, cliche. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, uh, audience, you can pray for us. Yep. <laughs> okay, round two. 
FaceTime. Mm. <laughs> so would she rather just talk on the phone? Text. Text. Or do I guess that doesn't matter. It's not a would you rather. It's it's just, it's just how does she feel about doing the FaceTime thing? Okay, I've 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 got my Okay. Okay, I'm gonna say I'm just gonna project. And so I'm gonna say mm-hmm. two. So you think she does not like Because I personally do not like FaceTiming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you've got to like, you know, have all your stuff together and you can't multitask and all that. Yeah. Just send me a text with a picture attached. <laughs> yeah. <to go. laughs> okay. Yeah, I, um, I'm i I'm a little torn. I'm sort of imagining like if she had a friend that is like a dear mm-hmm. friend mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if they, the were, if they were in person, they mm-hmm. would go to the coffee shop and they'd spend hours catching up mm-hmm. and just having good one-on-one time. And then she would go home exhausted and have alone time to recharge <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But like, but uh, I'm imagining like that friend is like, can we FaceTime next week? And I and I feel like she'd be into that. Okay. Like, so I'm gonna so, si- I'm gonna go six again. I'm gonna go again. more positive okay. than than negative. Okay. So, Lori, what what's your number? Okay, this may be because when I travel and speak, I usually FaceTime my husband and my kids. So I have a lot mm-hmm, of joy mm-hmm. as it relates to FaceTime. So I only FaceTime people who I like dearly love. So you guys are right on about mm-hmm. that. And okay. I love holding people phone hostage. So mm-hmm. <laughs> my sister, you know, people like, well, okay. Well, and I'm like, you want to be done, don't you? You want to be done with this? You can't. You can't. It's so mean. It's so mean. I only mostly do yeah. my sister. I'm the whelp person. Whelp? Whelp? Uh, yeah. Whelp. And you, <laughs> you smack a table. Yeah. I So I said eight because I have good memories oh. associated. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I'm happy for you that you like <laughs> FaceTime. I love that for you. I'm happy because I got a point. Yeah. There you go. Uh, you both have gratitude right now. That's Great. right. That's oh. right. Hey, Lindsay, thank you for helping us both experience gratitude. Uh, okay, round three, making conversation mm. with cashiers. Making mm. conversation with cashiers. I feel like you're going to get this one on point since you're also 4-3. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I have a few conflicting thoughts in my head. I'm trying to decide. <laughs> I'm I'm going to go four. Okay. See, I know one four mm-hmm. who loves it. Like and that's their hobby? Like they go to stores like to talk to cashiers? Like they me uncomfortable with how much they talk to cashiers and people like they that. They ignore everyone else, just talk to cashiers? Like I'm like, that's none of your business. You don't need to ask them oh, what they're doing this weekend <laughs> or whatever. Like just check out your groceries. <laughs> but I'll just say five. I'll just stick it right in the middle. All right. All right. Okay, Lori, what's your number? So in a melancholy slash busy day, which is most days, <laughs> I will do. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I'm the headphones in the grocery store girl. Like if I can yes, just get her too. done. So I actually mm-hmm. said it too. I don't want to chit chat. Uh, yeah. Now I'm all done. Yep. I yeah. bless you. Okay. Did I get a half a point for that? Uh, you do not. <laughs> you... And that's a no. No, no. Lori's unhealthy and that's all there is to it. As long as it's working in my favor. Yeah, right. There you go. Uh, okay. All right. Number four. Round four. Planning vacations. Um, I'm going to say a three. You're going to say a three? Yeah. I think, I think there's the dreaming about it part. Yeah. That's not which, it. That's which not which I think she's into. Yes. And then... And then all of the individual execution, but she's got enough efficiency that like mm-hmm. she can kind of pull it together. So I'm going to go five. I think it's, mm-hmm. I don't think it's like her favorite thing. But she can get it done. Yeah. And she travels a lot too, which I realize mm-hmm. is not vacation, but like 
She's got some muscle memory for yeah, like, yeah, you know. She knows how to book a flight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she does know how to book a flight, <laughs> I'm going to assume. Uh, okay, so, Lori, what's your number? I said nine. Oh, what? man. We are off. Are you guys, because I am becoming healthier by leaning into my one, because mm-hmm. that's where fours go in health. And so I have learned to not stress <laughs> out and just let my emotions explode with the planning. And I just stop and I think and I put time together. So... That is why I love it. And it's it's just vacations are amazing also. So so if mm-hmm. I told you the top three places I want to take my family the next five years, would you plan my trips for me? I would have to car. I'd be I'd be like, oh, this is a lot. I'd feel overwhelmed. I'd write a lament. <laughs> and then I, write a lament. I would be like, carve out the time and sit down and do it. And then it'd be super fun. Okay. Man, good for you. Yeah. yeah. I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm really impressed. Okay. Final round. Round five. Double dates. You can't read her mind and know her feelings about double dates. She's such a unique person. She is. Oh, she's speaking my language. She is unduplicated. You get to go first. On this one. I do. Is it my yeah, turn to go first? It's your turn. Okay. I think double dates. Uh, I think eight. Okay. First off, if it's like uh, whatever, her husband's got this other couple that he knows, and she doesn't like him as much, and mm-hmm. it's all shallow conversation. Okay, that's yeah, hell. That's she horrible. hates all that. Yeah. But if it's like another couple that they've known a long yeah, time and they're going to get to connect awesome. and have like heart to hearts and, yeah. you know, good time together, I think game on. She's for yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's kind of what I was thinking, too. <laughs> uh, I guess I'll say seven. You're going to say seven. OK. Lori, what's your number? I have to say three. Oh, no. <laughs> no. OK. But I got a point. To defend y'all is that if it's people I really love now, actually, this is how it have to be. Matt, I have a date every Wednesday night and I mm-hmm. we don't get to connect a ton. Three little kids. We both work and are mm-hmm. busy. And so I love Matt so much. He's my favorite person ever. And I love connecting with him. So regular weekly dates were so intentional about. Yeah. Right. But if I was to have another date in the week where I went out with Matt on Wednesday and then we had a double date. Sorry, then that would be up higher, six age, six is range. But if it's replacing Matt time, it's going to be no. a three because I just want to connect I'm with totally him. I'm with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Man, didn't see yeah. that one coming. No. Uh, how did this shake out? What, I, didn't I think keep we're tracking. tied. I think we're tied, yeah. We couldn't tie. That's not an option. <laughs> no, you got three and I got two. All mm-hmm. right. All right. Well, good job, self. Okay. And now it's time for 11 quick questions. Okay, so, Lori, we're going to ask you 11 questions. You can answer with one word, one phrase, or one sentence. Got it. Number one, what is a word you use too much? For real. (laughs) Yeah, for real. That's the question. (laughs) (laughs) Question number two, what is a word you wish you never had to say again? Equanimity that you said today. <laughs> I actually love saying that word. Equanimity. Well, equanimity. But didn't you add another N in there? I like had to spell Emotional check. equanimity. Emotional Equi- equanimity. Equanimity. Oh, there's Nimity. not another N. See? There it is. Okay. Number three. What makes you feel alive? Dancing. Mm. Number four. What repels you? Mean people. Number five. What is your favorite emotion? I almost said joy, which is a lie. I don't know why it popped <laughs> in my head. Maybe there's something there. Uh, 
contentment. Because mm. again, maybe I'm striving for it, but just content. Number six, what is your least favorite emotion? Anger. Mm. I mean, ask my therapist, IFS work, <laughs> internal family systems, anyone done it? It's You have to make friends with all mm-hmm. your emotions. Oh boy, it's a lot. Anyway, carry on. <laughs> I love it. Okay, number seven. What sound or noise do you love? I love the squishy family together noises while making dinner. Hmm. Number eight. What sound or noise do you hate? When my kids can find a very screechy noise and then repeat <laughs> it on the regs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Number nine, if you could switch Enneagram types for a day, which one would you like to try out? Probably seven. Mm-hmm. Number 10, if you could tell your teenage self one sentence, what would it be? You're okay. Hmm. All right. Number 11, what would you like to hear God say to you when you die? You did it, Lori. I'm so proud of you. I'm so mm-hmm. proud of you. Well, Lori, thank you so much for your time today. Mm-hmm. Thanks for just great. for sharing yourself with us and uh, going on this uh, this long <laughs> conversational journey with us. We're just we're just so grateful for you sharing with us and just for all the amazing things that God is doing in and through you. Oh man, you guys, thanks for letting me share and be authentic alongside you. If you benefited at all from this podcast, please help us out by leaving a review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Your review will help other people discover our show. Special thanks to our guest today, Lori Krieg. You can buy Lori's book, An Impossible Marriage, What Our Mixed Orientation Marriage Has Taught Us About Love and the Gospel Wherever Good Books Are Sold. You can learn more about Lori and her work on faith and sexuality by visiting her website at lorikrieg.com. That's Lori, K-R-I-E-G.com. Also, special thanks to Crosspoint Ministry who helped train us in the Enneagram. You can check them out at crosspointministry.com. This show is brought to you by Love Thy Neighborhood. We provide internships focused on service, community, and discipleship for young adults ages 18 to 30. You can serve for a summer or a year and grow in your faith and life skills. Learn more at lovethyneighborhood.org. This episode was written by Lindsay Lewis and myself. Anna Tran is our media director and producer. Music for today's episode comes from Lee Rosevere and Murphy DX. I'm Lindsay Lewis. And I'm Jesse Eubanks. Remember, the eye can see everything but itself. Find people to journey with you because you were created for community. <laughs>